Mr. Murdoch, I sentence you to the State Department of Corrections on each of the murder indictments in the murder of your wife, Maggie Murdoch. I sentence you for a term of the rest of your natural life. Now, the sentencing that came down Friday morning over there, Walterboro, South Carolina, uh, ending a trial that captivated the country. I think it captivated everybody in the country except me. I did watch very little of it. I didn't, I just, for whatever reason, I didn't get into it. Others did, and I'm learning as we go along here. And here's somebody who can help me learn because she was there. You have read her for years, uh, did, until fairly recently in the Athens Banner Herald, still in the Gainesville Times. I don't know, I don't even know if she knows. We'll ask. Rhonda Rich, how many newspapers carry your stuff? Do you even know? Uh, 47, from Camden, South Carolina, all the way to the Mississippi Delta. All right, and and for and you're telling me, too, and we'll get to this. Go ahead and get the plug in. You're working on your latest book, What and When. When are we going to see the book? Uh, August 8th, and I'm doing a series of mystery novels that's set on the Golden Coast of Georgia. Each one will be on a different island, and the first one is on St. Simon's Island. The what? second one will be Sapelo, and it's a mystery that's solved by the same group of characters including a U.S. Marshal that's uh, based in Glencoe. All right, those are those are novels. Uh, but you saw, yes. and you're telling me you had a front row seat, about as good a seat as it's possible to have in that courtroom over there in South Carolina for at least some of this high-profile trial, the Murdoch case. Uh, how, first of all, how'd that happen? How'd you end up so close? Uh, just the grace of God, that's <laughs> all I can say. People started lining up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and they went for blocks trying to get in, and they could not get everyone in. And um, the clerk of court, a wonderful lady, spotted me, and she took me in the took me in through the judge's chambers, and I wound up right between Murdoch and the judge. Wow. So I had a I really had a great row seat because not only did I get to witness what was going on. I got to see the facial expressions in the eyes of uh, the lawyers and Murdoch himself. All right, let's talk about what you saw, and let's talk about why, Rhonda Rich, this trial was so huge. It wasn't the only murder trial going on, probably not even the only double murder trial going on, but Netflix has done a documentary, HBO's done a documentary, and everybody but me watched this trial. So, So why was this one so captivating? Well, I, you know, I started my life as a uh, as a reporter, and I covered court early on, so I'm with you. I've never seen anything, not, maybe the O.J. Simpson trial, but I've never seen anything that captivated the world like this, and especially in a day of social media where, you know, back in the days of the Lindbergh kidnapping or O.J. Simpson or the Leonard Loeb trial uh, where two young boys connected to the Sears Roebuck catalog fortune were kidnapped and killed we've never seen anything like this and it's fascinating that in a time when you can watch everything online uh it was streamed completely uh every day that people wanted to see it i will tell you that for me i was in the moment i read the first story june 8th and that was that a mother and a son had been shot down as viciously as they had on the 1,700-acre estate, I knew that there was some great story behind it. And I'm a storyteller, and I love stories. And it wasn't something random. It had to be something um, uh, very deep and dark. 
I suspected at first it was a cartel killing or contract hit, hit because that's what it looked like. Um, and I did suspect that the father was involved some way, but I thought my sources uh, in South Carolina were saying, well, he'd been rumored to be in drugs for years. So I thought that was what had happened. But as it grew, it's just my husband's a television writer. I always say he's not a lawyer, but he writes one on television. <laughs> and even he would say, I couldn't write something like this that the networks would, would accept. They would say, that's too ludicrous. No one can do that. But as the story grew, there were so many components to it. You know, it turned out that he says that he was a addicted to 60 to 80 opioids a day. I don't yeah, know how You mentioned him it. being in drugs. It makes it sound like the drugs were in him. Yes, exactly. And, you know, the testimony was that no one knew it except for his wife and the son that was killed. Uh, all of his law partners said no. They had no idea he was on anything. And so I'm a little suspicious of that, and I don't think that they were able to bring his uh, rehab records in, probably because of HIPAA, but um, that happened. And then it turned out that he had stolen almost $9 million from his law firm, uh, which really put those guys asunder. They had to go out and borrow the money to pay back all the people he cheated. And, Tim, one of the testimonies when I was there was from one of the partners who had received a call from a wife who's husband was dying of stage four colon cancer at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville. She was out of money to be able to stay down there and rent a place. So they had five waterfront lots they wanted to sell. They, the law firm sold it for her. Um, and then Murdoch sold the $270,000 oh and she didn't get it. And when he died, he had a $70,000 life insurance policy. He stole that. He had no conscience. It did. I watched him. None of it bothered him. He had no remorse. He did not care. Uh, the lawyers borrowed the money. They'll be paying it off for the rest of his life. Then he hired his cousin, this um, uh, more of a low life than normal high-end money people, uh, land gentry people in South Carolina deal with, he had him try to kill himself. Then there's two other deaths that they're investigating, one that the boy who was who was murdered, Paul, was involved with, a DUI, well, a BUI, Boating uh, under the influence, mm -hmm. yes. Um, she was killed, and that really is what started the unraveling. When they were sued... Uh, for her death, he didn't have the money. He couldn't. He couldn't produce his financial records. And then there's another young man found dead uh, on a South Carolina rural back road. Uh, it very easily quickly was said it's a hit and run. But the boy's head was bashed in, and uh, there is a very strong connection between him and Buster Murdoch, who is the son who's still alive the, the redhead kid so, i kept seeing in the courtroom when i did tune yes, in and that's what i'm yes, seeing now rhonda yes, rich is okay yes. we got we got alex let's go after buster now this is a family yes, let's I back up it, a minute here this is a very okay. prominent wealthy family and in, in yes. by the way not far from here what three three and a half hours up the road is walter burroughs family yes. that goes back generations like 10 generations of murdoz over there and very prominent in legal circles there this judge uh who uh, so many people are applauding me included has 
it has dealt with the Murdoch family for years in his courtrooms over there. Yes, and and I just my heart went out to this man. I just I I loved him from the moment I saw him. He had a sweet gentleness about him. He was never ugly in the courtroom. He never raised his voice. He was very quiet. He spoke, um, and everything was so lovely about him. There was just something that drew me to him, and I did not know until the sentencing that his son had died in January of a blood clot to the heart of a wonderful young man who was the youngest uh, person ever elected to the city council in Columbia, South Carolina. So, you know, this happened a week and a half before the trial started. So here you have a father who's lost a son who goes in to uh, adjudicate a crime where a man blew his son's brains out, and he really blew them out. They went straight out the top of his head. They hit the wall and then bounced to his feet. Uh, consider that as you're having your breakfast this morning. Yikes. I, yeah, I, please. As, <laughs> as you and I are talking, as you and I are talking, Ron Rich, I'm glancing up. i got the Fox News channel on in here. Right now is another report, Greenville, South Carolina. They're talking to some lawyers and talking heads over there about exactly what we're talking about, bringing in even more family members, uh, more drama maybe as relates to uh, this case that that is so fascinated the country. I'm going to, I'm going to circle back and watch the Netflix, the HBO things and see if I can get sucked into this because it does sound like a fascinating case somebody just sent me a note and I, I don't i don't know what to do with this other than just put you on the spot with this but a, okay. a, a loyal listener sends me this is something i didn't know about Rhonda rich uh Rhonda rich it says here was the daughter-in-law of mary tyler moore is that fake news or is that real that's real news that's real news wow. yes yes and uh my my father-in-law was grant tinker who was oh. the chairman of nbc of yes yeah, yes. that, that's a name we recognize. And your husband, you said, is a TV writer. Yes, he is. He's an Emmy Award winning uh, drama writer. He uh, and and you know what? I I will say this: my father in law Grant Tinker did not believe in nepotism, and Mary Tyler Moore would always say that he made it harder on my husband and his brother. Mark Tinker, who has also won three Emmys as a director, that he made it harder on them to get in the business. They uh, they were both blessed by a man named uh, Bruce Paltrow, whose daughter is Gwyneth Paltrow, and he was a producer, and he hired both of them and gave them a chance, wow. but Grant Tinker did not. And then Grant Tinker was very proud of what they were able to accomplish on their own without any help from him. Rhonda Rich, we're up against it here. Best of luck with the book, and, and we'll talk again. I'm going to bring you back on this show. It's the first time all these years, first time we've had the occasion to talk. We're going to get you back on here, of course, if you're willing. Thanks so much for your time and your insights this morning. Oh, listen, thank you for having me. I love Athens, Georgia, so it's glad, I'm glad to be able to talk to you all. Thank you so much. Thank you.